Okay, so how many of you would say your lives are different this year than they were this time last year? Okay, those of you that aren't raising your hand, either you've been asleep for several months or you're just not being honest, because I think it's fair to say that all of our lives are a bit different. And that would be the case regardless. I mean, years change. Uh, with each day, something changes, something in us. I mean, we face new circumstances. They cause us to change. Um, but, you know, you think about how much has changed in the past year. Um, how about the past hundred years? Have you thought about that? Uh, well, I did, and I looked it up, and there's, there's a list of things that are different about in, our, in our country. Uh, this year versus 100 years ago, some of them from, tw- from 1920, but 1920, 1921, around that time. And I'll, I'll just read a, a few things, and, and just to show you how different things really are. In 1920, 1921, the world was recovering from a pandemic. Okay, so maybe things aren't as different as... I guess the difference is we're not quite recovering yet, and, and I don't mean to make light of it, but I mean, it's amazing how things uh, repeat themselves even sometimes, but uh, challenges that we're faced, the encouragement there is, is that uh, our country recovered, um, and yes, there was great loss, there was great uh, trials, great struggles, but there's hope, uh, and we can continue to move forward and trust in the Lord. All right, here are a few things. Life expectancy for men in 1920 was 53 and a half years old. For women, it was 54 and a half. So women even then lived longer than men. That's because they're smarter than we are, I think. Um, the Eiffel Tower was the tallest structure on earth at 984 feet. Today, the tallest structure is in Dubai, and it stands at 2,716 feet. Uh, teenagers didn't exist. Yes, young people between 13 and 19 existed, but they didn't call them teenagers. They didn't start calling them teenagers until high school became standard, enrollment in high school. As a matter of fact, 100 years ago, only about 19% of 15 to 18-year-olds attended secondary school, and only about 9% graduated. So some things changed for the better, right? Uh, Some things improve uh, for the better. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was president 100 years ago. Uh, Radios were the main source of entertainment. Families would huddle around the radio in their homes. Not, there were no TVs. Now, you can make your decision as to whether or not that's uh, for the better or worse. Movies were silent. Uh, there was no national anthem 100 years ago. Uh, it wasn't. The Star Spangled Banner didn't become the national anthem until 1931. Um, average work week was 45 hours a week with workers earning a whopping 56 cents an hour. In 1919, this is from 1919, but it probably didn't change much uh, in the following years. The average price of bread was 10 cents, butter cost 68 cents, and eggs, a dozen eggs, 63 cents. If you had an infection in 1921, more than likely your doctor would prescribe bloodletting, leeches. There were no antibiotics. Penicillin was still a decade away. And it wouldn't be used successfully on a patient for another three decades. So I think that's for the better, right? Some things change for the worse. Some things change for the better. It just depends on how you look at it. But there's no doubt that things change. Life changes. Every day we face changes. We now face a new year. Um, Today, it's a new day at Wall Highway. All right? We have a new year ahead of us. And... There are going to be new challenges. There are going to be new things that we face. Some of them are going to be great. Some of them, not so great. 
And I think it's fair to say that none of us know what's coming because none of us knew we were going to face the things we did last year, right? I mean, how many of us this time last year thought we would face what we faced this year? I mean, we all know there's unexpected, but none of us expected what we've had to go through this year. So we know there are unexpected, but we also know that God is going to continue to be faithful, And that he is going to continue to lead us. And he's going to continue to do new things. Now here's the question. Will we be suitable vessels to receive what he has for us this year? We're going to face new things. Will we be willing to receive it? Jesus illustrates this perfectly in the parable in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 38. Um, He says, you can turn there in your Bible if you have it. Uh, on your device or whatever you're using. Luke 5, 36 through 38, Jesus tells a parable. He says, No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on the old one. If he does, it will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. Verse 37, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Now, in the ancient world, of course, there were no bottles, no recyclable cans or plastic bottles or anything like that. They would take leather, they would sew it together, basically, and make sort of a canteen. And that's what they would store liquid in. And you would never put old or new liquid into old wineskins because over time, of course, that leather would dry, it would crack, and eventually it would leak out. When it came to wine especially, you would not put new wine in old wineskins because as the wine continued to ferment, it would just speed up the process of that uh, that wineskin cracking and it would leak and you would waste your wine. So that's what Jesus, he's using that illustration to, to make the point. That, that the new has to be, the vessel has to be prepared for the new. I mean, you have to change. You have to be willing to adapt. You have to be willing to, be, uh, to accept what it is that God has for you. You can't pour new wine into old wineskins, or you can, but it's going to be a disaster. You've got to be a suitable vessel. Uh, this is an illustration of life. Again, verse 38, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. New situations require new structures. You, if you get a new job, you have to learn new skills, right? You got to learn, even if you know that if you're trained in that skill, you still got to learn to work with new people. You got to learn the environment that you're in. It requires learning new things. New relationships require new ways of relating because everybody's different, right? You can be good with people, but you still have to learn to relate to individuals uniquely. Today, we are starting a new series, a four-week series called Relaunch 2021. And here's the purpose of this series, okay? This isn't in your notes. It's not on the screen. You can write it down if you want to. The purpose of this series is, as the video showed us, to step out of the blur. Life's been a bit of a blur over the past several months, right? We're going to hopefully step out of the blur and prepare, refocus, and prepare to relaunch the mission and the ministry of this church. Some things are going to be different. Some things are going to be the same, and we're going to build on those things. Uh, We're going to have to change some things because our environment, our culture has changed and will probably forever change as a result 
of the pandemic and, and other things that we faced this year. Not just that, but socially and, and other things. So the question is, are we vessels that are prepared for that change? The, the great thing is, is in many ways, we've got an opportunity, we've got a clean slate here. We can kind of rewrite the book in, in terms of how we do things. Not the book, but <laughs> the rules and the methods and things like that. And so the, the purpose stays the same. Don't misunderstand. We're going to visit that over the next, revisit that over the next few weeks. Our mission, our purpose is the same. Now, how we do it may change a little bit. And some of that, we're going to have to be flexible and be willing to adjust as we go. But today, I want to begin by looking at ourselves, looking at you, a new you for a new year. Are you, am I going to be a suitable vessel prepared for the change, the new things that God has for me? Um, you know, the old ways of living, the old ways of listening, the old ways of responding, the old ways of doing, uh, that worked, may have worked fine last year. It's not going to work this year. Some of it's not going to work. You can't put old wine and new, and, and new wines or new wine and old wine skins. You've got to be a suitable vessel. You've got to be willing to change. So what is 2021 going to hold for us? Well, the short answer is I don't know exactly. There's a lot I don't know about what 2021 will bring, but there are some things that I do know. There are things I can guarantee you we will all face in the coming year. You're going to have new problems. You're going to have new pressures, but you're also going to have new possibilities. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it really, how, how you cope, how you succeed, whether or not you succeed, whether or not you make it, uh, depends a lot on one thing, and that's your character. Character. You know, I've been told and I've experienced in my life, character is built through adversity in no other way. The character that's built through adversity is what allows you to uh, be content and to succeed and to enjoy the, the, the times that are good. But character, how we respond, how well or if we do well or don't do well, depends a lot on our character. So this year, I want to make this a year of character for all of us, character building for all of us. I want, I want us to be committed to Christ-like character, to work on our character in 2021. There are three character qualities that will be indispensable as we face those things that I just mentioned, that will, uh, you know, character qualities that will, our character will shine through as we face those. One way or the other, our character will be revealed. But three character qualities that will be indispensable. So what can I expect in the next year? New problems, Right? We're going to know we're going to face new problems, and new problems are going to require creativity. New problems will require creativity. I, I think one of the blessings of, of the pandemic is that it's forced us to think outside the box and do things different, um, to, to use some, some creative w- ways of reaching people and ministering to people and staying connected to people. We're going to have to have creativity. Uh, the bad news is, is you got more problems in 2021. That's definite. You're, you're probably going to have more problems before the day's over with. But the, the good news is that they're not the same old problems. <laughs> at least they're new. Uh, at least you'll be facing new situations. And new problems are going to require new ways of looking at things. We've got, uh, we've got a whole new set of problems, so we've got to figure out a whole new set, a whole new way to deal with them. Most of us have no idea about what we're facing, as we've just talked about, but we do know that we're going to have new problems. New problems require new solutions. The Bible says this, the old ways of thinking aren't going to work anymore uh, for some of the problems we're going to face. The Bible says in Proverbs eighteen fifteen. this is the Living Bible paraphrase, but I like how it says this. 
At Proverbs 18, 15, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. That means you agree with everything, right? But you're at least open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. He wants new ideas. He wants to be willing to try new things and new, new solutions to new problems, new opportunities to reach individuals. I found something called 60 Excuses for a Closed Mind. And I want to read just a few of them. See if you've heard any of these before. We tried that before. Well, it may not have worked then, but it may work now, right? Our place is different. That won't work here. It costs too much. We don't have enough time. We've never done that before. That's one of my favorites. It's against company policy. That's not our problem. Well, if you're faced with it, guess what? <laughs> You've got an opportunity to deal with it. You're right, but whatever. Fill in the blank. We're not ready for that. That isn't in the budget. That's one of, another one of my favorite. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not true. Yes, we get more stubborn as we get older, but you can still learn. It's okay. Let's form a committee. We like that one, don't we? Let's sleep on it. And sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes that's just procrastination right there. It's too much trouble to change. I mean, really, honestly, how many of us really like change? I'm putting my hand down because I don't. None of us really do. And it is hard, but it's necessary. Life changes. It's impossible. Well, if we really believe nothing's impossible with God, uh, you got you to live that way. We've always done it this way. Again, may have worked in the past, but new problems require creativity. They require new solutions. You know, the truth is a lot of us spend more time avoiding problems than we do actually solving problems. If we just deal with it, we wouldn't have as much trouble. Um, but we, we try to avoid problems. Uh, you, you say, well, may, you know, may, I'm not creative enough to deal with new problems. Well, yeah, you are. You may not be as creative as others, but you are created in the image of God, the creator, which means you are creative. He, the fact that you are a human being, one of the, the, the qualities, the characteristics of being in the image of God is being creative. Uh, we all, uh, the biggest block for a lot of us is our attitude. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Again, the Living Bible paraphrases this. Your attitudes and thoughts must be constantly changing for the better. You must be a new and different person, holy and good. Your attitude has to be constantly changing. Several years ago, uh, I either heard or I, I believe I, I saw it, uh, an interview. A guy was on the Today Show. I either saw it or read about it later. It was a long time ago. He was 105 years old. And being interviewed, the interviewer asked him, in your lifetime, I bet you've seen a lot of change. And the guy's response said, yep, and I've been against every one of them. <laughs> he didn't like change. And again, none of us like change. I mean, some things change for the better, but some don't. And change can be hard. It's difficult. So we have to be willing. We got to have a decision to make. Are we going to go with it? Are we going to adapt? Or are we going to live in frustration? Because the world is going to change whether we change with it or not. You've heard of, uh, of hardening of the arteries, right? That's something none of us want. Well, well let, me, let me encourage you. Another thing that we don't want is a hardening of the attitudes. Attitudes are so very important. And how we deal with change, good and bad, your attitude has so much to do with that. 
We have to keep growing. We have to keep going. We have to keep developing. You know, it's been said, this isn't original to me, but I like it. Attitudes are like diapers. If you don't change them every now and then, the place starts to stink. You got to be willing to change, to adapt, to grow, to develop, to allow God to mold you and shape you. Um, Are you going to be willing to change and be an acceptable vessel? Have you noticed that easy tasks, even easy tasks become difficult when you've got a bad attitude? Have you noticed that? Uh, There's a poem I want to read for you. See if you can identify with this poem. If so, maybe, maybe you need to change your attitude a little bit. What good did it do to be grouchy today? Did your surliness drive any trouble away? Did you cover more ground than you usually do because of the grouch that you carried with you? If not, what's the use of a grouch or a frown if it won't smooth your path or bring trouble down? If it doesn't assist you, it isn't worthwhile. Your work may be hard. Just do it and smile. Attitude has so much to do with how we handle the change that come and the problem that comes our way. In 2021, you cannot, you and I cannot control what's going to change and what's not going to change for the most part. Control is really an illusion. The only person that's in control is God. He knows what's coming. You and I don't. We can't control what problems we will face. You can't control the wind, but you can set your sail. We can't control the problems, but we can control how we respond to them. Will we be willing to adapt? Will we be willing to change? Will we have a good attitude or a bad attitude as we face the challenges of the next year? What else can I expect in the next year? New pressures is another thing, right? New problems that require creativity, but new pressures. And new pressures are going to require conviction. If we are going to handle the pressure of a changing world, new challenges, some good, some bad, be willing to stand for what we believe in the midst of an ever-changing culture. We've got to have conviction. What is conviction? Conviction is a willingness to stand up for what you believe. Not to cower down, cow down, not to be afraid, to be willing to, in love, speak the truth and stand up for what you believe. You don't have to cave into cultures. You know, magazines, social media, they all come up with lists of things that are in and out. As if I'm going to live my life according to what People Magazine or Facebook says. Some people do, but you can, if you want to, you can go find out what's in and what's out this year, right? What you should or shouldn't be doing according to culture. And, and you know, sometimes those things, it's okay, but a lot of times what culture considers is right and wrong uh, does not agree with God's word and doesn't agree with how we should be living. And so we have to make a decision as to whether or not we're going to cave to culture or not. Are we going to give in? Or are we going to stand for what we believe? Will we have conviction? Look at Romans 12, 12 in the Phillips paraphrase. Don't let the, words, the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, the, it, don't, don't be conformed by the world. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. But let God remake you so your whole attitude of mind is changed. Transform you from the inside out. And that, that's, that, we don't have to cave in. We, we, we have a choice. We can either allow God to shape us by his word from the inside out as we take it in and as he works in and through us, or we can allow culture to fit us into its mold because those two molds aren't the same. They will conflict at many 
levels. And you don't have to look too far to see examples of that. We see it all over. There are going to be a lot of pressures in your life in 2021. I would love to tell you different, but life is tough. It's good. I love my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I love what I do. I mean, I'm thankful to be, be able to serve the Lord and to preach every Sunday and to minister to people. But life is hard. And it's full of challenges. And the older you get, the more you realize that. You're going, going to have pressures in 2021. There, there's no way around it. We'll all have pressures in 2021. Materialism, sexuality, temptation, um, the temptation to lower your standards, any number of things. Uh, illness. I mean, you know, just because the clock changed to midnight the other night, it doesn't mean that the pandemic is gone and all the social issues we have are gone and all the other problems we have are gone. It's a new year, and I'm thankful for that, but we still have pressures. We still have challenges. We still have temptations. There are things that we're going to face the next year, and you and I, we have to make a decision as to what we're going to stand for because as the saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. You have to decide what your convictions are. What will you stand for? Did you know what the most searched for words were in 2020 on Google? Number one was not the coronavirus, surprisingly. Number one was election results. The number one search for phrase was election results. Number two was coronavirus. Number three was Kobe Bryant, his tragic death. And then four, five, and six all had to do with the coronavirus. Coronavirus updates, coronavirus symptoms, and Zoom was number six. Um, Those were the top searches. Now, what do those things have in common? Those all deal with either things we didn't know the outcome to, we knew were coming like the election and didn't know the outcome to, this year for days didn't know the outcome to, or things we had no idea were coming at all. And then we were faced with them and we had to deal with them. And we didn't have a choice, but we had to deal with them. But, But here's the good news, okay? You and I can make a choice right now as to what we want to build our lives on this next year, what we want to be consumed with. Now, there are going to be things we face we don't anticipate, pressures, problems. We're we're talking about that. But we can also list a set of values that we can choose to be consumed with, convictions that we choose to build our life on, truths in God's Word that we choose to build our life on. So the question for all of us is, what are you going to be consumed with this year? What are you going to build your life on? What am I going to build my life on this year? We have to make a decision about that, what we're going to stand for. Write it out. Make a, just like that list. I, it doesn't have to be a long list. It could be just you know four or five core principles from God's Word that you want to work on, that you know God wants to work on in you to build your life on. Maybe it's not necessarily even something that you're in dire need of improvement in. It's just you want to, your life to be about that. And you want to build your life continually on that. What will we be consumed with in 2021? i tell you what we need in the years to come, especially now, with all that we face, all the pressures, we need men and women of conviction. Men and women who are not wishy-washy, who, who don't cave to culture, who know what they believe, why they believe it, and are willing to stand on it. And willing to live by it, regardless of what popular opinion is. And that's hard sometimes, but we need, we desperately need individuals who don't get caught up in the materialistic, changing, ever-changing landscape of culture, uh, the relativism and all that we face every day. 
Men and women who believe the truth and live by the truth, who don't let the world squeeze us into its mold, but are shaped and molded by our Heavenly Father from the inside out in the truth of His Word. So where do you get strength from that? Well, two places. God's presence in your life and God's Word. If you want to be a person of conviction, if you don't want to culture to squeeze you into its mold, you get strength from God's Word and from his presence in your life. Look at Isaiah 40, 31 in the New King James Version. But those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. New strength for new problems, right? New situations. If we wait on the Lord, we'll gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then Psalm 19, 17, uh, 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. What does it do? It restores the soul. God's word restores our soul. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're worn out, if you're discouraged, dive into the word of God. Your problems won't vanish, but he'll give you the peace that you need and the strength that you need and a restored soul that we all desperately need to deal with those pressures and those problems in life. He restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And why does God allow pressure in our lives? And why, why not just give us a carefree existence, right? He's God. He could do that. Take all of our problems away. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, Paul says this. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. But this happened. What? All these pressures, all this despair, it happened. God allowed them to be under pressure. This happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on who? On God. The reason, there's a lot of reasons, okay, that God allows difficult situations, but one of the primary reasons God allows pressure in your life and in my life is so that we'll depend on him. Because we learn to depend on him in those difficult times in ways that we cannot when times are good. Because we're human beings, we're prideful, we depend on ourselves. So God allows pressure so that we'll look to him. And we'll grow in him. Now, Paul, he was one of the greatest, if not the greatest Christian ever known. Wrote most of the New Testament. But he says in that verse that at one point in his life, he got so discouraged and was in such despair that he wanted to give up. I mean, he wanted to give up. And he said the reason God allowed that to happen was to teach him to rely on God. That even Paul had to learn that lesson. And like everything else that happens in life, God is preparing us for eternity, right? He's preparing us to spend eternity with him. And we need to learn how desperately we need him and how, that he's God. And without him, we are nothing. And pressures teach us to depend on him. That's conviction, and that conviction only comes from learning to depend on him. Standing strong. So what's the difference between a conviction and an opinion? Well, a conviction, an opinion rather, is something that you'll argue about. A conviction is something that you'll die for. Now, Paul had conviction, and he learned to rely on God so much that he was willing to give everything in service of the Lord. He had conviction, and he died for his convictions. A conviction is something you'd be willing to die for. So what are the convictions that are going to hold you up, hold me up when the pressure's on in 2021? Because it's going to come. The pressure is going to come. New problems require creativity. New pressures require convictions. And 
We need to know what we need to stand for. But finally, we can also expect new possibilities. Yeah, we're going to have problems. We're going to have pressures. But we're also going to have some new possibilities, some great possibilities, opportunities to serve the Lord. And these new possibilities are going to require courage. Are we going to be willing to step out in faith? Are we going to be willing to to accept the challenges that God gives us, to adapt, to change, to be willing to do new things, to reach people with the gospel? 2021 and beyond is going to be full of wonderful plans that God has for you. Uh, you know, I don't know a more challenging time to be alive. Do you? I mean, I know there were, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you can make arguments. But in my lifetime, at least, uh, we face challenges this year that, that I never dreamt of. But it's also, with these challenges come a lot of opportunities. I mean, it gives us the opportunities to rethink the way we do some things, to be willing to, to, to be creative, to, to take advantage of new opportunities, to reach people. Uh, we have new opportunities, tremendous opportunities. You know, there's a technology. It's been out for a few years now, but it's just really started. Uh, some doctors are starting to use it um, in recent, in the past year or so, I think. Uh, it's an attachment that you put on a stethoscope. Uh, and what this does is, so the doctor's listening to your heartbeat, to you breathing, but this attachment sends, reads your heart rhythms, reads your breathing, and sends it to the cloud that's, that partners with a companion app that can actually uh, read more, in more detail what's going on with your heart and, and possibly detect things like heart murmurs and things like that, that that could only be detected with expensive tests like echocardiograms and things like that. So, so imagine the possibilities there. Your, your doctor may catch something uh, when normally he wouldn't and prevent you from a heart attack or something serious, right? Detect something in your breathing that he wouldn't just by listening with his own ears. Technological advances, uh, things like that, possibilities. We see advances every year, some for the, the things that aren't so great, but many are, are great. I mean, the, I can't imagine even when I started pastoring in 2004, if we had gone through a, a pandemic then, I mean, what would we have done with all the people that can't be here right now? They wouldn't be able to join us for worship. We've got technology. We've got uh, the things that make it possible for us to do things that we couldn't. And every day there are new possibilities. There are good things um, that we can take advantage of. Well, there are also great possibilities for kingdom work. God wants to do great things in your life next year. I believe that. He wants to do great things in the life of this church in the next year. But it's not going to happen automatically. It won't just happen automatically. You've got to start cultivating. If you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to develop, then you need to start cultivating right now. And where do you want your marriage to be at the end of 2021? Your relationship with your kids at the end of 2021, with your church family? Spiritually, where do you want to be at the end of 2021? Don't wait till January 31st, I mean December 31st, to make a New Year's resolution. You need to start cultivating now. I mean, you reap what you sow, so if you don't sow, you're not going to reap anything. We've got to start cultivating. There are great possibilities, and, and there's, there's an element of risk but it's a risk worth taking. Turn to Hosea 10, 12. If you have your notes, I've got it present, uh, printed in your notes, but if you don't, turn to Hosea 10, 12. I, I want you to read that verse with me, all right? Hosea 10, 12. Go to Psalms and hang a right. 
Verse 12, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Now, that's the New International Version. If you have your notes printed, um, I, I'm gonna, I want you to circle a few words. If you don't, circle the equivalent word in whatever version you have. Circle the word, the verb sow. Circle the verb reap and the phrase break up. All verbs, all things we have to do. Sow, reap, break up. If you want your life to count in 2021, you've got to start cultivating now. What do you plan to harvest at the end of the year? What differences in your life? We've all made New Year's resolutions probably, but if you don't act on them, they they don't mean anything spiritually, again, with your family, uh, in your career. I mean, you know, it doesn't even have to be spiritual, although if you are a Christian, everything ties into that somehow. It could just be in terms of the type of person you want to be, to be kind to others or whatever. I mean, what is it that you want to improve on in the next year? You've got to start cultivating some new habits, some new activities in order to reap that at the end of the year. It won't happen automatically. This harvest of new activities, attitudes, isn't going to just happen. We've got to cultivate. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So what is it that you need to start cultivating? What habits, what activities, what actions? Look again at verse 12, same verse, Hosea 10, 12. Notice that phrase, break up your unplowed ground. New ground is another way to say that. You got to do something new. Breaking up new ground. Don't plow up the old ground. You've done that. Plow up new ground, the ground that's unplowed. (laughs) New activities, new attitudes have to be developed, have to be cultivated. What worked last year was fine, but it may not work this year. I guarantee you it won't. A lot of what we do, we're going to have to have new attitudes, new activities, new disciplines, new habits. Break up some new ground. Step out in faith. It's scary But be willing to do it. Step out. Don't be afraid to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. But you got to be willing to step out. we got to have faith. We've got to trust God. Break up that unplowed ground. It involves courage, though. New possibilities require courage. It's risky to try new things, things that are unfamiliar. It's easier to stay with what's familiar. But you won't grow if you do that, if you're not willing to step out. Many people are going to just, many people aren't going to live the next year, really. I'm not talking about living and dying. I'm talking about they're not going to live their lives the next year. And it won't be because of the pandemic or social distancing. It's just they're not going to grow and mature the next year. They're just going to do the same thing they did last year, live life the same way with the same old habits. They're not going to grow spiritually. They're not going to grow mentally. They're just going to keep repeating the same thing over and over again. That's called complacency. It's being comfortable, not willing to step out, not willing to change. And change is hard. But that's one of the detriments to growing spiritually is not being willing to step out in faith when God calls us to, to develop new attitudes, new actions, new habits. I read about a biologist who did an experience. He had a potted plant and he had some caterpillars, all right? And what he did is he took several caterpillars and put them around the rim of the plant. And that plant was a plant that the caterpillars would eat. The leaves on that plant. So you had a perfectly healthy plant, and he lined those caterpillars up on the rim around the plant. You know what they did? 
They just followed each other around that rim endlessly. One right behind the other, and they kept doing it, kept doing it for weeks until they died of exhaustion and starvation. The food was right there, but they weren't willing to break their routine. This is instinct for them. But we ought to know better. Many of us are going to get to the end of 2021, and there's not going to be any growth. There's not going to be any change, no spiritual development. We're not going to be any closer to the Lord than we were today. And it'll be because we weren't willing to step out on that limb. Will that be you? Will that be me? Or will we be willing to take a step? Have courage. It's going to take courage, but it'll be worth it. What is it that you would attempt for God if you knew you would succeed? We need to be led by the Spirit. You know, a lot of people do things for the Lord that aren't initiated by Him. But, but if you, you know, think about it. Spiritually, what is it that, that God is wanting you to do? Again, look at Hosea 10, 12. Notice the results of breaking up new ground, being courageous. It's reaping fruit, showers of righteousness. That's the result. God says you'll reap a blessing of growth, of righteousness from me. If you're devoted, if you're committed, I dare you to do something with your life this next year. Take a step of faith for God. You know, as a church, we're going to build on the things that we do well. In some cases, rebuild the things that we haven't been able to do. You know, we we do some things really well here. Connection groups, we're going to slowly but surely rebuild those. You know, children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, outreach, missions, all of those things. We're going to do new things some of it's going to look different, and some of it's going to be rebuilding, and some of it's going to be hard, and it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight, but we will rebuild, and we will relaunch those things. We're committed. God's got a plan, and he's been faithful. He's provided through this, and we may look a little different when it's all over with. We'll be a little more weary when it's all over with, but we're going to continue to fulfill the purpose he's given us. And we're going to build on those things. And, and you need to be praying about how you're going to be involved in those things. We're going to talk about some specifics in weeks to come. All right? Like we do every year. But for today, you need to be praying about how God wants you to be involved. Are you a member of a connection group? Listen, you don't even have to leave your house to be a part of a connection group right now. I mean, eventually we all need to be back, yes. But right now, if you can't be here, you can join one virtually. Everybody should be a part of a small group. You're never going to be a part of this church until you are. The other areas, the the various ministries, the missions efforts, there's a way that you can be involved in missions in different ways, even if you can't can't go and and be face-to-face with people. I mean, you can serve in person. I've been announcing for weeks the downtown rescue mission. We just talked about 10-year anniversary of Loads of Love. We've got lunches of love that we do for the school that we've partnered with, with Legacy. We've got a hospital ministry now that we've adopted a floor at Madison Hospital where you can donate supplies. You don't even have to go. You can deliver them, but you can bring the supplies. Other people will deliver them to the healthcare workers that are on the front lines every day. There are different ways to be involved. How are you going to be involved to get plugged in? I dare you to get involved. We've made it easy, different ways to be involved from wherever you are. Slowly but surely, we will get back to normal, but we don't need to be complacent as we're getting back to some sort of normal. 
We're going to refocus. We're going to relaunch. We're going to build a strong foundation. But to start with, here's what I want to challenge you with, okay? Personal commitments that we can all make, should all make in 2021. Number one is set a goal of spiritual growth this year. Set a goal for spiritual growth this year. We should all be doing that. We're going to talk more about that next week in detail. And then number two, let's make this year a year of prayer. Hopefully all of our prayer lives have improved this year. I know mine has. Make this year a year of prayer. Pray for the sick. Pray for leadership as we continue to make decisions. Pray for the renovation. We're about to take a big step of faith as a church. Pray for God's will to be done in this church, in our community. Pray for opportunities to reach people. We'll have different emphasis through the year, but there are some things you know you can pray for. Make this a year of prayer. Get involved. So what could hold you back? Well, some of you say maybe, you know, my past. I've blown it too much in the past. God couldn't use me in the present. Nothing could be further from the truth. God is doing new things, and that includes he can give you a new life. If you're not a Christian, if you don't know him, he can give you a new life. If you'll submit to him, if you'll accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And even if you are a Christian and you're living in the old habits, you're doing things like you used to, he can still give you a new life. He can do something new, a new direction for you in your life. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, God says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, I started the service with this verse. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. God is about doing new things. Don't keep dwelling on that problem, that hurt, that sin that you committed 10 years ago that Satan's trying to convince you disqualifies you for service. And God can use you. God can forgive you and forget your past. Satan's bringing it back to try to discourage you. And God's saying, what? I already forgave you. He wants to use you. He wants to do something new in your life. I'm not making light of sin. We should be serious and confess and turn away from sin. But once you do and seek forgiveness, God forgives you and forgets it as far as the east is from the west. God is about using broken people. The Bible's full of them. Just read through the Hall of Faith later in Hebrews chapter 11. Then look at their backstories and tell me that you're disqualified from serving the Lord. Because none of them were. God says, I'm doing a new thing And he said in verse 18, what I did before, nation of Israel, I rescued you from Egypt. But what I did before, that's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. God's done some great things in the past in this church. He's done some great things this past year, keeping us together and taking care of us and providing for us. But God says, that's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a new thing. Will we be prepared for that new thing? The good news is, is the best is yet to come. If you're a believer, all of your best days are ahead of you. Even if you leave this world today, your best days are ahead of you because you're headed for heaven. If you are a child of God, your best days are ahead of you. If you put your faith in Christ, if you have a relationship with God, you never have to fear. You don't have to be afraid ever because God has you in his hands. And your soul is secure. If you are a child of God, you are secure. You are secure in his hands. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And I can trust him from day to day. And he's going to provide. There are going to be problems. There's going to be pressures. There's going to be trials. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be death. But I'm secure in his hands because I belong to him. We don't have to be afraid of the future. As a Christian, all of my best days, they're, they're in front. Not in the rear view. They're ahead. So how do you become more creative? 
You know, because some people say, I'm not qualified. Some people say, you know, I've been blessed too much. I shouldn't ask for more. God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to continue to use you. So how do you do it? How do we become more creative? How do we become, have more conviction? How do, we, <clears throat> how do we get more courage to face, to take advantage of the possibilities? How do we get all these things? Well, God is the, the, the specialist in character change. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. A new creation. He's not the same anymore. The old things have gone. A new life has come. When you open your life up to God and he begins to take over, new things start to happen. A brand new, think about it, that's what we illustrate in baptism, right? The new life that God gives us. We dip somebody under the water, that's the symbol of them dying to that old life of sin. When they come up out of the water, it's a symbol of them being raised back to life, a brand new life in Christ. He gives you a new heart and a new life. God is about new things. He's doing a new thing. He, he cleanses us from sin through salvation, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection. We have a new life in him, and we can look forward to new things. When every, anyone becomes a Christian, they receive a new life. And the happiness that you're looking for in this life, regardless of who you are or where you are, is not found in politics. It's not found in social change. It's not even found in the elimination of this virus. The happiness, the joy that you're looking for is found in Christ and Christ alone as Lord and Savior. Until you give your life to him, you will never know what you were put here for. You will never know what your purpose is, and you will never have contentment. You will never have joy. You will never have true peace until you receive it from him. But if you do come to him, if you do receive him, you can have all of that. Life won't be easy. You'll still have problems. You'll still have pressures. Don't forget that part of this message. You're going to have all of that, but you'll have the peace and the courage and the contentment of knowing your creator and knowing that you are secure in his hands and having his strength for daily living. But you have to make a new commitment. Even as a Christian, listen, even those of us who are saved, this new year requires a new commitment. The biggest mistake that you could make, that I could make this year, is living this year on a commitment I made when I was seven years old. I accepted Christ at seven. And once, now listen, once saved, always saved. You can't lose your salvation, but every day I have to commit myself to the Lord anew. The commitments I made yesterday aren't going to mean anything for today. Only the commitments I make today will mean something for today. It's like my marriage. I've been married for 18 years. If I lived with, with my wife on the commitment I made 18 years ago and nothing else, then my marriage isn't going to mean anything. I have to commit to her every day. I've learned more. I learn more each day about being committed to my wife. I've, I know more now than I did 18 years ago. That's for sure. And every day is a new day of commitment. We grow in our relationship. We grow in our marriage. Our family grows (laughs) and impacts our relationship. The same is true spiritually. Yeah, you're saved, but are you growing in your salvation? Are you growing in your faith? A new commitment. when, When was the last time you updated your commitment to God, rededicated your life to him? You know, that had to be a huge life-changing moment. It could just simply be, Lord, I submit to you today. Your will, not mine. You direct, I'll follow. You lead, I'll follow. How do you know when it's time to make a new commitment? Or even to rededicate your life in grand fashion? Well, one of the ways is the joy has drained out of your life. If you're just going through the routine, the rituals, 
And even good things, Bible study, attending church, whatever. You're just going through the routine, but there's no joy in your life. Then it may be time for you to rededicate your life, to recommit your life. You need to fall in love with Jesus all over again and find that joy of a relationship with him. Put aside that old way of serving by rules and regulations, legalism, and serve based on the relationship that you have with Christ. It's about relationship. You do, you follow the rules because of your love for Christ, not the other way around. Romans 7, 6 says, Now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. The new way of serving is through relationships. Some of you have become legalists, and you need to get out of that. There's no joy in what you're doing. It's about relationship. Another way you know, maybe, you need to recommit your life is that you're trying to live this new life that you've received from Christ the way you used to live before you knew Christ. You're trying to live in the flesh, doing the old habits, the old things. You come to church, you do the Jesus thing on Sunday, but you live like the world the rest of the week. And that doesn't work. And there's no joy. And you're not growing in your relationship with Christ. You don't feel close to, to God. And so you need to get rid of some of those old habits and recommit yourself to Christ. That's another way you know you need to recommit yourself. Jesus said you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Can't do it. You can't have the new life that God's given you in the old way of living. Just doesn't work that way. You can try, but you'll be miserable. They'll burst. Those wineskins will burst and fall apart, and so will your life. God wants to do such great things in your future, even with all the challenges, even with all the problems, the pressures. And I don't know of a better time for us to say, Lord, Jesus, personally, I'm committing myself to you. Whatever you want me to do this next year. As a church, Lord, whatever you want us to do, we're going to follow you wherever you lead. I'm committing myself to you. Life is full of challenges. It's full of problems. And I brought something to illustrate that. Very unique. How many of you know what this is? <laughs> Annie, what is it? <laughs> it's a unicorn pinata because it was the cheapest one I could find, okay? But it is a pinata. And what do you do with a pinata? Take out your frustrations. That's right. That's a good thing to do at the end of, of 2020. Uh, you, you beat it to a pulp until candy comes out, right? How many of you feel like this today <laughs> after the year we've had? We've been beaten a little bit, and life will do that. Man, I tell you, life will beat you down. The pressures of life, the problems of life will beat you to a pulp, and it is not pleasant. However, just like with this pinata, what happens? Poor pinata gets beat to death, but what happens once you've beaten the pinata? Enough. Candy comes out, right? That's what happens. Good things happen. And God says, I'm doing a new thing. Life's tough. Problems are real. Pressures are hard. It hurts. There's loss. There's struggling. There's pain. There's COVID. But even out of that, I can bring something good. Life will beat you down. But if you will look to him and depend on him, and recommit yourself to him and trust in him, he can bring good out of even our worst pains. doesn't take the pain away, not minimizing that, but God's bigger than all of that. He's big enough to handle all of our troubles. And you may feel like a pinata today, but I guarantee you something good is coming. It may not be in this life, but something good is ahead of you 
Your best days are ahead of you as a believer. God's big enough. There was a, you know, you've seen skyriders, right? You've been at the beach or whatever, and you see guys flying a plane to write a message in the sky, whatever it is. Usually at the beach, it has something to do with eat at Joe's or Joe's Crab Shack or something like that. But I, and I can't remember where I read this, but an interview a skyrider was doing, he talked about uh, different, the most common messages he would, he would write. And uh, he had done skyriding all over the country. And he said, I'll tell you what, in the South, it's usually about Jesus. He said this, he said, Jesus is big in the South. Well, I got news for him. Jesus is big everywhere. He's big enough to handle your problems, my problems, our pressures, and whatever 2021 brings, Jesus is big enough to handle all of those. And he's big enough to bring good out of COVID. He's big enough to bring good out of all of it. And he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And I believe he wants to use you and use me and use this church for his kingdom and for his glory. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But it begins today with where is my commitment to Christ? Am I committed at all? Do I know him as my Lord and Savior? If I am a Christian, am I, am I growing or am I just living the same way? Same routines, same old way, trying to live new life the old way. What, where is my relationship with Christ? That's where it begins. We will never discover all that God has for us if we don't each individually commit ourselves totally and completely to him. It begins with accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's just take a moment and pray and talk to the Lord. Wherever you are, here at home, wherever. Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If not, you can cry out to him now. He died for your sins. He gave his life so that you could be free from sin. His blood was shed so that you could be cleansed. He died and then he he was raised three days later from the dead. He conquered death so that you too can conquer death in him. If you don't know him, your life will not begin truly until you accept him as Lord and Savior. And you can do that right now where you are. And then we'll talk to you later about what you need to do next. If you are a child of his, what do you want your life to be about at the end of this year? Do you want to grow? Do you want to mature spiritually? Where do you want your marriage to be? Where do you want your relationship with your kids to be? Where do you want your kids to be? Your influence, you're the greatest influence they have right now. That won't last forever, but right now, got to be intentional. We've got to start cultivating now. Father, we know that you have big plans for your church, for your kingdom, for this church. You have good plans for us individually. Will we be in a position to receive those plans and to live out those plans? Will we be vessels suitable for the blessings that you have for us, for the purpose that you have for us. Right now, today, I pray that we would do whatever we need to do individually to make sure that's the case, that we are prepared for what you have for us. If we are not prepared, whatever it takes, confession of sin, rededication of our lives, or accepting you as Lord and Savior for those who don't know you, whatever you want us to do, I pray that we would do it that we would commit to knowing you and to growing in you, spiritual growth, commit to a year of prayer, not just this year, but beyond, but right now in this moment, every day, growing in our relationship with you and our prayer life, that it would deepen each day, that we would know you more. Lord, I pray that we would give ourselves to you completely, 
submit to your will totally, knowing that you are faithful and you will be faithful to accomplish your purposes. Maybe different than what we have imagined, but it will be for your good, for your glory, and for your kingdom. We just have to submit, and I pray that we will. In Jesus' name, amen.